Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting Sleep's parenting podcast for Monday, November 20th, the Grammar Police Edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. I'm Jamil Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who's six, and Ami, who's three. We live in Detroit, Michigan. Well, on today's show, we have a letter from a parent who's not sure how to correct their child's grammar. Kids at school may talk one way, but does it need to be corrected at home? Then we will have recommendations and some advice from you as we dive into the mailbag. We'll see you back here in a minute. We're back and we're diving right into our listener question. Dear mom and dad are fighting. Lately, I've noticed that my five-year-old has become aware of certain grammatical differences between the way our family speaks at home and the way that some of his black classmates speak. I'm not sure he's fully grasped the connection between the differences, but the other day I was walking along the waterfront with my kids and the older one said, I don't see no boats. And without thinking, I corrected him. In response, he told me, some of the kids at school say it that way. It caught me off guard and I didn't really know what to do. I just want to make sure I handle this matter with sensitivity and respect for diverse linguistic backgrounds. It's important to me that my kids understand and appreciate the rich cultural diversity in their school. I would appreciate any advice and suggestions you might have for navigating this. How can I encourage him to embrace linguistic diversity, but also maintain a strong foundation in the grammar rules that we use at home? Sincerely, Lexicon Enigma. I love this question. The idea of a little white kid coming home and saying, I don't see no boats. It's so <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I think that, you know, your child is very young, so he's going to have a difficult time grasping this. But what you can explain to him is that different communities and different groups of people have different ways of talking, you know, Um and that African Americans have their own way of speaking. You know, it comes from many of us coming from the South. And, you know, it may sound a little bit different than what you're used to hearing, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's a valid way of talking. It's okay to talk that way. But that's not your community. Um, that's not where you're coming from. And so it's important that you continue to speak in the way that your parents and your teacher instruct you in speaking, you know, and if they stay at this school long enough and they pick up some of those things naturally, that's one thing, you know, but there still should be this conversation now while they're still young about you know, respecting the differences between communities and, you know, recognizing that something is different than what you may know, but that doesn't mean it's bad or wrong. It's just different. Jamil, can I ask you a question? I'm sorry. Do you think that they should be like correcting them? Because that to me is like what stuck out. And I guess would I correct it or would I just repeat it back in the sentence the way that I would say it and Ew. hope for self-correction? So I, I completely agree with you that there needs to be a conversation because the child is clearly asking, right? Yeah. And I think one of the things is to say there are, there are just different ways of speaking and they're both fine. Um, but do you think they need to be correcting it or you think it's like okay to let them 
because they're five, say these things and it will self-correct as long as you, the parent, are not adopting it? Or they should say like, no, in our home, we say X. I like what you said about like just repeating it the way you would normally say it, you know? So if he says, I don't see no boats, you say, oh, you don't see any boats? Mm. You know, and just leaving it there. Because my hesitancy with like saying to them, but we say it this way, is that somehow that placed a value judgment. Like Do you know value. what I mean? Like, yeah. well, in our yeah. family, we say it this way. <laughs> that there's yeah. like inherently this idea that what you just said was wrong. This is a head scratcher. I was, I was definitely wondering like, uh, I mean, I think if it's like, if it persists and becomes like, you know, uh, more than I don't see no boats, I think that maybe... You know, I don't, I, honestly, I don't, I don't feel qualified to talk about it. Um, but I did have that same, that same question. Does correcting inherently place a value judgment? I mean, I think like if you watch enough TV cartoons, there are certainly um, characters on TV that speak with a variety of of English dialects mm-hmm. showcasing where they're from. And I'm not just talking, you know, Peppa Pig. Uh, and I kids pick that stuff up. They like to say those things. Yep. I feel like this becomes tricky because of like our relationship with race in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and like how, and because I think for so long it was viewed that this was viewed as like the wrong way to speak. And so t- to me, there's this sensitivity of like, well, I don't want to convey that. Um, but I also don't want to be disrespectful in that we're adopting a language that is not ours, that is not part of our community, right? And I guess my thought is that that will eventually correct itself as they become deeper part of a community, but that as a parent, what they can do is not assign any judgment to it, particularly because the child is noticing, right? Um, and so I think having that conversation, like Jamila said, is important to say to to explicitly say there is nothing wrong with this. This is a language, a dialect, and it has its own set of rules. And then kind of leaving it at that, and then repeating back the things in in the way that you would say them. If he's going to be in constant conversation with these kids, it's only natural that he would pick up some of these things and. What the parent has to remember is that they're still learning grammar at school. So they'll still be taught, you know, the quote unquote uh-huh. proper way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I do really appreciate the question though. I think it's a, a really good sensitive question. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Lexicon Enigma. Yeah. So thanks for writing in with this this great question. I I hope this is helpful. But listeners, I'm sure you guys have some thoughts. So please let us know what you think if you have mm-hmm. any advice or think we got it wrong let us know um you can always email us at mom and dad at slate.com hey listeners the holiday season is upon us and the slate shop is the perfect place to take the guesswork out of your gift list browse our selection of hand poured candles classy cocktail kits stunning stationery expertly crafted pasta makers and everything in between we even have official merch for the slate fans in your life From November 24th to November 27th, that's Black Friday through Cyber Monday, we're offering 30% off all items in the store. Get your gift sets, stocking stuffers, white elephant gifts, and a treat for yourself while you're at it, all by going to slate.com slash shop. That's slate.com slash shop. Happy shopping. All right, let's move on to recommendations. Jamila, what are you recommending this week? Okay, I am recommending an old standard Jippy cornbread. 
Oh, yes. Chippy cornbread is the so best. good. It's the best. Um, I made some last week. I kind of messed it up because I took it out of the oven too fast because I doubled the, uh, I made two boxes because a box mm. of Jiffy Cornbread only has technically three servings, which I never realized because it always lasts a little it's longer one, than that. It's one serving house. for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I topped it with a little honey butter. I just mixed yes. some butter and some honey and it was incredible. So as the holidays are coming up, if you're a cornbread person, if you're not a cornbread person, Give Jiffy a try. It's really good. Do you add milk or water? Milk. Hell yeah. I love that it's cornbread season. Cornbread's one of my favorite things. Me too. Do you have any other favorite cornbread recipes? Um, You know, once I put, this was a long time ago, but I remember putting cheddar cheese mm. in cornbread. And maybe I did it with a can of corn too. And it was very, very good. I was going to say, are you fans of the corn in the cornbread? I like corn in the cornbread. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I remember last year for Thanksgiving, I made this really good Edna Lewis cornbread. I'll try to find it. I made it for Thanksgiving. I think it was uh, her like famous Southern cornbread, but cornbread, cornbread, cornbread. One of the greats. I'm jealous. This holiday season. (laughs) You're you're not finding Jiffy cornbread mix in Tokyo? Jiffy cornbread here. (laughs) Zach, what are you recommending? In the wake of our question from Lexicon Enigma, I wanted to share this great lesson that that Noah taught me earlier this week. We were listening to um, Earth, Wind, and Fire's seminal song, uh, September, and then she started singing her own version of it. And I'm like, wait, 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 what, Noah? What are you saying? And she learned this cover version of September. She learned from her teacher, Miss Allison, about what a proper noun is and i actually recorded her singing this version of september proper nouns say to you remember proper nouns like august and september proper nouns always need an uppercase i mean everything about that that is perfect i I, I was like oh my god I cannot believe how great this is. I was just couldn't have been happier um, to to be on the the receiving end of that proper noun lesson. So, if in case you didn't hear the lyrics, it's proper nouns say so you remember proper nouns like August and September. Proper nouns always need an uppercase. I mean, that's the whole lesson. That's awesome. Yeah, oh Elizabeth, what are you recommending? I brought a visual aid to this <laughs> audio medium so you can help me describe Great. what I'm recommending. Okay. I cannot believe I've not recommended these before. I have a child. I think I've told you someone always throws up on our trips. Yep. Um, Same. These glasses. These are car sickness glasses. We've linked to them. They look so ridiculous. They're perfect circles. They kind of look like Waldo's glasses if they were white frames. Um, yeah. But there's four circles instead of two. So four frames. So the two front frames, and then there's two peripheral frames, all uh, all the same perfect circle with, what is that, like a blue it's a liquid. gel inside? It's a blue liquid. And as you so, move, the liquid moves. Uh, which is, guys, so, so this blue liquid it, um, it's is in, like it, is in a smaller, circle. yeah, an inner circle. Wow. Wow. Okay. And because it's like on the side, the kids wear these. They look. Can you put completely- them on, please? completely ridiculous here you go they fit over glasses 
These are the children's version. They make adult versions. So they're oh very God, small on my really face cute. right now. Um, they look completely ridiculous. When the kids wear them, they don't throw up. We've worn them on boats. Do we understand why? Uh, yes, because... Okay, we know this because, of course, Theodore will not would not wear them until we demonstrated how they work. Motion sickness is just your brain being confused by what is happening with your eyes and what is what it's feeling in in your ears in the little part. Someone's going to write in because this is not right. But um, <laughs> your brain like doesn't know what to do, so it starts to feel it's like something is wrong. We are sick. We have to get you know expel everything from the body because we are sick. The hmm. the what our eyes are seeing does not match what our ears are feeling. This lets your eyes see what the liquid in your ear is feeling. It is so great, and I forgot how great they were until I forgot them, and we were driving, and Teddy got sick. <laughs> so, guys, these car sickness glasses are great. I have an adult pair for me because I don't do well on very windy roads. They're great. They are so great. How much? They're like seven ninety nine on Amazon. What a deal! Uh, and I've heard we've never worn them on a plane. We have worn them on boats, and they worked. And we've heard wow. like if you get any kind of motion sickness on the plane, wow. they can also help. Um, That's incredible! So. Great recommendation. Get yourself. I'm so glad I brought them because Zach, your description was so much better than. <laughs> <laughs> They're really fun. Like one of these two will describe this better than me. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go, we wanted to share some of the amazing notes and letters that you all have been sending us. Yes. First, we have a note about baby proofing the house, especially when the child is on the move. Katie said that they actually hired a baby proofing service because they were intimidated by the prospect of drilling, finding wall studs, anchoring shelving units correctly, all while the baby was around. They highly recommend spending some money on peace of mind. Yes. If you can afford to outsource, do it. Agree. Yeah, no, that's that sounds great. We never baby proofed anything just out of sheer laziness and ineptitude. But Katie, this is great. Yeah, Jamil and I um both sort of agreed that overgoing on the baby proofing, but there are things like anchoring dressers that have to happen. Yeah. There's just too much uh danger, I think. In, in not having large furniture anchored to the wall. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm sure that's that you could do that on TaskRabbit. You probably don't even need like a baby-proofing specialist, but if you can afford it, go for it. Our next letter comes from Veronica, and it's in response to our episode about breaking the apology cycle. Uh, Veronica said she was an adult who can't stop apologizing, and while she's struggling to stop, her girls never apologize. She remembers saying sorry after her oldest bumped her head on something, and the four- or five-year-old turned to her mother and said, why are you saying sorry? You didn't do anything. (laughs) See? We're doing better. We're doing better. (laughs) Way to go. I hope she feels good about her parenting. Because <laughs> even at four or five, her child knew, well, you didn't do anything. <laughs> I love that. I wonder if Veronica's from the Midwest, because I, I relate in that. I think in the Midwest, we, we apologize way too much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jamila and I both admitted to, uh, on this episode, to just like apologizing for things. Constantly. Constantly, Constantly apologizing. And have you figured out a way to we unlearn do it here. That, that? I'm trying. Tick? I'm. I have made like an effort to try not to apologize when I read something wrong. Like it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard though. <laughs> you just set us back three seconds, Elizabeth. What the hell? <laughs> I know. And now I'm gonna do another three by apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Our next letter comes from the episode entitled, My Partner's Parenting is Stuck in the 90s. A developmental psychologist who researches parenting and parents, sorry, a, de- a developmental uh, psychologist. Uh, do who not re- apologize. Do not <laughs> apologize. <laughs> Zach's our accountability partner. That's now. our yeah. accountability partner. <laughs> mm-hmm. A developmental psychologist who researches parenting and parents' well-being says she and her partner actually have a similar fight to the original letter. The fight being, of course, like one parent doing all the parenting research while the other one refuses. The developmental psychologist and her spouse got into a fight about this episode. Could that be more meta? She wanted him to listen so they could discuss, but he didn't want to because it wasn't something something he's interested in. Well, interestingly, the psychologist says that the responsibility of parenting research falls disproportionately on mothers in mixed-sex couples, and there's a false assumption that mothers research because they're interested in it or that they're good at it. Doing the work and even conveying the work to their partners all falls under this uneven division of mental labor. They finish the letter by saying acknowledgement doesn't always make things better, but it is nice to have the inequality noticed and to be actively working towards a solution. Finally, we want to wrap up today by noting how many kind notes came in for Zach when he talked about losing his dear friend, Sam Wall. In addition to a couple emails that came in, I got a couple DMs on Instagram from people, uh, people who themselves have somehow survived a tragedy in their lives. And it is, it's really one of the things that gives me, gives me hope, that helps me grieve. I, I so appreciate you all. Um, just like thinking about me and, and giving me some advice. And, um, it's, it's such an amazing community we have here. I'm really grateful for you all. So, um, just, just thank you. Thank you all so much for writing in. We truly always love hearing from you. Uh, so please, uh, keep the letters, DMs, whatever coming. We love them. You can reach us at slate.com and that's our show. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tell your friends. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Mara Curry. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Jamila Lemieux and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening.